Now, if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today, we're going to start a new series. And I'm going to tell you something about my relationship with my wife that's going to help us set up this new series. So my wife and I have been married 25 years, and we have this amazing relationship. If you don't know me well, if you don't know my wife well, let me explain a little bit about our personalities, okay? So my wife is like the icing on my cake. She is like the filling in my donut. She's the hostess with the mostess. I mean, she is amazing. If you know the difference between her and I, like you would wonder, how did they get together? My, my wife is fun, and I'm kind of boring. My wife is spontaneous, and I'm really not. I'm like a stick in the mud. And my wife is like a party in a body. And I'm like a party pooper on many occasions. So that, that kind of explains you know, what our personalities are like. And yet, God has brought us together. And we have this amazing relationship that I am so incredibly grateful for. God has blessed me with the amazing gift of Tammy. And I'm so grateful for our relationship. But there are moments that we love each other but don't like each other. There are moments that we would rather be anywhere else than in the same room together. Uh, if you look at our initials, they spell T and T, kind of like dynamite. And you know, there are moments that our relationship feels a little explosive. And it's not that we're like yelling and screaming at each other, but there are moments where we're butting heads. There's moments where we're pushing each other's buttons. And I have found that nobody can push my buttons like my wife. And she's found that nobody can push her buttons like, like I can. And we can do that in a crowded room without even talking to each other. It's really amazing. We can just glance at each other, and then all of a sudden we know buttons are being pushed. Oh, really? It's on. So like we have that kind of relationship. And so there are moments, like many moments, our relationship is great. There's a few moments our relationship's kind of painful. So I'm curious, anybody else in a relationship like that where it's got great moments, it's got painful moments? If you were like hesitant to raise your hand, I get it. If you're sitting next to your spouse, your boyfriend and girlfriend, things are going well, I get it. Don't raise your hand. Don't rock the boat if you don't need to. But I think all of us understand what that's like to be in relationships that are great and at, at moments we wish they were better. And I think all of us understand what it's like to be in relationships that aren't so great and we wish those relationships were better. So we're going to start a series today called Better. And the subtitle of this series is How to Have Better Relationships. So in this series, we're going to look at some of the most important relationships that we can be in. We're going to look at dating relationships. We're going to look at marriage relationships, family relationships, and friendships. And you think about those closest relationships that, that we have to us. Those relationships can impact our lives more than any other relationships that we have. And so we need to learn from God's truth how to have better relationships. And the really cool thing I think about this series is that it's applicable to all of us. Even if you're here today and you say, listen, I'm not really a Christ follower. I don't know if I call myself a Christ follower. I don't know I believe all that stuff. You can still benefit greatly from what we're going to talk about today and in this entire series. So we're going to start this series by looking at dating relationships. And as I look around the room, I know that not all of you are dating. Some of you are married. Some of you aren't dating yet. 
Some of you have written dating off altogether, and you're like, I am never doing that ever again in my entire life. So if you're in one of those spots, it could be easy for you to kind of check out mentally and think, well, today's just not for me. Not so. There's a lot of information that we're going to cover today that can be beneficial in your life or somebody else's life that you may need to share this information with in your life. Or maybe you've got some conflict in some relationships that you're in, some really close, loving relationships that you're in. And maybe the reason there's conflict is because you have not applied the truths that we're going to talk about today. So this is for all of us. And here's another reason why this is so critical. As a pastor, I talk with all kinds of people about broken relationships. I talk with people about broken dating relationships. I talk with people about broken marriages. And it's not uncommon for me to have people who pour out their hearts to me and tell me all the pain and sorrow that they are currently going through. One of the encouragements that I often give people in that moment is, is, listen, I know that like, you can never imagine dating again at this point because like. You are in such pain, but I encourage you to take this next year, take two years, and just spend time figuring out who you are and healing some of those wounds that are in your heart before you date again. And those people often assure me, oh, I'm never dating again. This is so painful. I'm never going to do that again. And then a couple months later, they tell me how excited they are about this new relationship that they found that's different than all the other relationships that they've been in. And sometimes, after that relationship uh, gets uh, complicated, they come back and say, man, like I should have waited a little bit. I should have done a little bit more of the work that we need to do. So today, we're going to talk about some work that we can do from God's perspective because this is so incredibly important. Now, if you've ever spent any time looking through scripture to understand what God says about dating, you might find yourself looking uh, through the Bible a whole lot to not find what you're looking for. Uh, The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about dating. Uh, There wasn't dating the way that we date in that context of of, uh, ancient times in in scripture, the times that scripture was written. And uh, what's interesting about that is we don't even date the same way that we dated, say, 25 years ago. Like, dating has really been evolving uh, through the years. And so in preparation for this message, I did a little research on some of the dating terms and practices that are out there. And so I'm going to go over some of those with you. So if you're dating or thinking about dating, it might be good for you to understand these current practices, all right? So the first current practice that's out there is called pocketing. Does anybody know what pocketing is when you're dating? Great. You're just like the first two services. You don't know, so I can make up whatever I want and make it, try to make it sound great because you don't know what it is. Okay, so this is what pocketing is. So pocketing is when you are dating someone and they know it's not going anywhere, so they don't want to introduce you to their family. They don't want to introduce you to their friends. They just keep you in their pocket. So if you're dating somebody and you're thinking like, why won't she introduce me to their, her family? Why won't he introduce me to his friends? You might be being pocketed. Good to know, okay? The other one is called cookie jarring. Cookie jarring is a little bit different. In cookie jarring, it's where you're, you're dating somebody, but you're not the only person they're dating. 
You're not the only meal they are enjoying. You are the cookie that comes out every once in a while when they can't have the main meal that they're interested in. So if you're thinking like, man, I don't know if I'm getting all of this person's attention. Like they only call me like on special occasions or like they can't seem to get anybody else to go out on a date with them. You might be in cookie jarred. Okay, the next is called U-turning. So this is when you're dating somebody and they find out something about you that they don't like and they instantly do a U-turn away from you. So they don't give you any explanation. You text, they don't text back. You call, you can't seem to find them. You stop by their, where they live, they seem to have moved away. They don't even work at the same place anymore. Like they are gone. So that's when somebody U-turns away from you. And if you're considering dating, you might want to know those practices. But then when we look at dating today and we kind of look through scripture, we can sometimes feel like scripture doesn't have much to offer us. It doesn't have a whole lot of truth to help us sort through how to date today, but that is so not true. God's got some foundational information for us when it comes to our relationships, and it can help even our dating relationships. So we're going to look at four truths uh, from Scripture, uh, how to have better dating relationships. And the first two truths that we're going to look at are going to sound contradictory, but they aren't. So listen closely as I explain them. The first truth is this. You were designed by God to be in relationships with other people. You were designed by God to be in relationships with other people. And those moments when you feel lonely, those moments when you have this longing for belonging, that you just wished you were a part of a group, you just wished you were on that team, you just wished you had that friend group, you wished you were dating somebody, you wished you were in a a long-term committed relationship, you're married to, to somebody that loved you deeply. Those moments that we feel that, we're tapping into a God wiring a way that God has created all of us. We were created to be in relationships with other people. And we see that in the first relationships that God created. You look back in the the Bible, the first book of the Bible in Genesis, as God started creating humans, he created Adam and Eve, and you see uh, that, that we were designed to be in relationships. And when God created Adam before he created Eve, God makes this statement, Genesis 2.18, He says, it is not good for the man to be alone, so I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, I find it interesting that God would make that statement because Adam wasn't alone. Adam was in a great relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and yet God recognized that Adam needed a human being, another human being to be in a close relationship with. And so to solve Adam's aloneness problem, God created another human being. God could have created another man, but God didn't. God created Eve. God created woman, and they were perfectly matched for each other. But here's where we have to be careful. Sometimes people assume that we have to be in a committed marriage or committed dating relationship to be somebody who has value and worth. And that leads us to our second truth. Again, that's going to sound contradictory to the first, but it isn't. It's actually complementary. So truth number two is this. You don't need to be with someone to be someone. You don't need to be with someone to be someone. Like you are someone special 
all by yourself. You don't need to be in a committed relationship with somebody else to have value or have worth. And until we understand that, we are going to struggle in developing a sense of identity on our own. So I want you to listen to what relationship experts, doctors, Les and Leslie Parrott, say about this. They say this, if you try to find intimacy with another person before achieving a sense of identity on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. So let that sink in for just a moment. If you try to find intimacy with another person before achieving a sense of identity on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. And then they go on to say this. This single sentence holds the key to finding genuine fulfillment for every relationship. If you do not grasp its message, the best that you can hope for is a false and fleeting sense of emotional closeness, the kind that comes from a series of temporary attachments. But once the truth of the sentence is understood and internalized, you'll discover the abiding comfort of belonging to family, to friends, the love of your life, and ultimately to God. Now, I think that we all understand the power of uh, those statements. I think we can all look around us and point out people who have this false sense of thinking that if I'm in a relationship with somebody, that means I have value. But if I'm not in a relationship, that means I don't have value. I don't have worth. So listen to what God said through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2.10. God said this, for we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are that all by yourself. You don't need to be in a relationship, a committed relationship with some other human being to be God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece all by yourself. And God knew exactly what he was doing when he put you together. He knew exactly the right ingredients to create the perfect you. Until we understand that, until we understand how God has wired us, until we understand and have kind of a sense of identity on our own, like we will struggle to know who we really are. And that struggle will bleed into our relationships with other people, even our relationship with God. So I want you to think about this. Adam didn't become God's masterpiece when he met Eve. Adam was already God's masterpiece And when God brought Eve, another masterpiece along. And when he met Eve, this amazing thing happened. So listen to what Genesis 2, 22 says. It says, then the Lord God made a woman from Adam's rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is boned from my bone, flesh from my flesh, and she will be called, whoa, man, because she's been taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So in God's economy, when one masterpiece is introduced to another masterpiece, this whole other masterpiece is created. It's a strange new math where one plus one equals one. But in our world's economy, where so many people are... are, searching for a sense of identity on their own where so many people have no idea who they are and how God's wired them. 
we understand that half a person plus another half a person never equals one whole relationship. It doesn't. It always leaves us empty and lonely, searching for something more. So again, we were designed to be in relationships with other people, but we don't have to be in a committed relationship to be someone. We are God's masterpiece, and we are that all by ourselves. Before my wife and I got married, when we were engaged, my mother-in-law asked my wife a critical question for her. She asked this. She said, Tammy, can you live without Trent? And you are not going to believe how my wife answered that. She said, yes. She said, I can live without him. But then she went on to say, but I don't want to. I want to commit the rest of my life in a, a relationship with this man. And that was one of the things that attracted me to Tammy, was I understood that Tammy had a great sense of identity, all her own. She understood she didn't need to be in a relationship with somebody else to be someone of value and someone of worth. And now, after 25 years of marriage, Tammy cannot live without me <laughs> because I won't let her. Like, I would not do well if, you know, she were not in my life. So if you are dating or thinking about dating, do you have a sense of identity on your own? Like, do you know who you are all by yourself? Do you feel like you need to be in a relationship with somebody to be somebody? Or do you understand you have value and worth all by yourself because God made you that way? Some, some great questions to process whether you're dating, whether you're married, or whether you're single. Truth number three. To find the right person, become the right person. To find the right person, we need to work on becoming the right person. Instead of spending all our time out there looking, trying to figure out who that right person is and where they are and when they're going to come, we need to work on learning to become the type of person that we hope to attract. Because here's the thing, wholeness attracts wholeness and brokenness attracts brokenness. And if we are not complete in who we are, if we don't have a strong sense of identity in who we are and how God's wired us, then again, all of our relationships will be just an attempt to complete ourselves and leave us feeling empty and lonely. So we have to do the hard work of becoming. But how do we become a person who has a strong sense of identity on our own and understands how God has wired us? I want you to listen to... A great chapter out of the Bible is known as the love chapter, and uh, often this is a chapter that's read at weddings, uh, but marital relationships were not the context for this original writing of this. It was given to us in how to treat other people and really how to measure the type of people that we are in our relationships. So as I read through this, I want you to kind of evaluate yourself. Are you like this person as we read through it? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful 
and endures through every circumstance. So when you think about you in the context of that passage, are you those things? Are you loving? Are you patient in your relationships? Are you kind? Or are you jealous? Are you boastful? Are you proud? Are you rude? Do you demand your own way? When things aren't going the way that you think that they should, do you demand from your your partner, you demand from the other people that you're in a relationship with, it's got to go this way. Do you keep record of when you've been wronged? Like, do you keep a tally, whether it's mental or, or actually written down? Do you keep record so that you can prove to the other person how much they owe you? Or so when you get them back, you feel justified because look at all that they did to me. I think 1 Corinthians 13 is a great thing to measure our lives on and, and how we are becoming the right kind of people. Now, here's another thing that I, I'm going to challenge you with a couple other things that I really encourage you to do. If you're dating, if you're thinking about dating, if you ever date at one point in the future, I encourage you to sit down and write out a list, like an actual list of things that you would like to see in the, your future mate. So an actual list of like character qualities, um, personality, what their personality would be like, what their work ethic is like, what their integrity is like, what their faith should look like, even physical qualities. I think that should be on the list as well. But often we put that at the top of the list. Often that is the only thing on the list. Is, is, is she cute? Is he handsome? If so, then we're like, we're in. Let's make this work. This is going to be awesome. And most of us know, well, it's probably not going to end up so awesome. It's probably going to end up painful if that's the only thing on your list. So I encourage you, make a list of the things that you think are really important to have in uh, uh, that type of relationship, somebody that you hope will be your future spouse. Um, My wife and I have done this with our kids. And we've done it when they were in elementary school and middle school and high school. And it's been really neat to watch their lists change through the years. So in elementary school, you know, they're dreaming. I have three daughters and a son. So my daughters are dreaming about what that guy's going to be like. You know, he's going to ride in on his, you know, he's going to be a knight in shining armor and his white horse. It's going to be amazing. And he's going to have a great job, make lots of money. He's going to have hair. It's going to be really cool. And, uh, you know, now that they're older, hair has kind of dropped down on the list of priorities. But it has been neat to watch my kids uh, evolve their lists and how their lists have changed through the years. And, and now they're talking about things of, of character issues and integrity, things of faith, like really seeing somebody's faith lived out. And I'm excited to see how these lists are going to help my kids uh, find someone who's going to be a great match for them. My oldest daughter has done that. My oldest daughter's married, and uh, the the man that she's married is a great man. Jeremy, I'm so proud of Jeremy and the, the husband that he is to her and the father that he is to our grandson. And I'm just so proud of them and who they are in the relationship that they are building. They're doing an amazing job. But that list can help all of us. If you're dating, if you may date in the future, Write out a list. Now, a real challenging thing to do is when you get your list written out, 
is compare yourself to it. Like, are you living up to the stuff that you hope somebody will do for you one day or be for you one day when you get in that relationship? If you'd say, oh, I'm not doing so great in a few of those areas, you got to work on the becoming part. Continue to become the person that God wants you to become. Another challenging thing I encourage you to do is to share that list with a trusted friend. I know that can be a little bit uh, intimidating, uh, a little bit vulnerable, but with a trusted friend, just show them your list and say, hey, would you help me kind of comb through this to make sure my motives are right with some of the things that are on my list? And then in addition to that, ask them to hold you accountable to your list. And here's why. Sometimes we set a standard of the type of person that we're interested in dating and marrying, and then we look around and we go, well, I can't find anybody like that, so I'll lower my standards. And then often when that happens, we get in relationships that we regret, that are painful, that never should have been started. And that leads to our fourth truth and final truth for today. Fourth truth is this. The pain of waiting is less than the pain of regretting. The pain of waiting for the right person to come along is always less than the pain of regretting a relationship that we should not have been in. So I'm asking this morning for some honesty. How many of you would honestly say that there's been a relationship you've been in that you regretted getting into and you should have waited more? Okay, number of folks. I think we all understand the power of that statement, that the pain of waiting really is less than the pain of regretting. But make no mistake about it, the pain of waiting is hard. It is hard. It's difficult. It's difficult to, to wait for that right type of person to come along. It's difficult to work on becoming the person God wants us to become. But again, the pain of waiting is always less than the pain of regretting. So in that context, we got to choose how much pain we want to experience in our lives. Okay, so let me recap the four truths that we've gone over as we're coming to a close today. So truth number one, God designed us to be in relationships with other people. That's a good thing. That's a God thing. Number two, we don't need to be with someone to be someone. You are someone special all by yourself. Number three, to find the right person, we have to become the right person. And number four, the pain of waiting is always less than the pain of regretting. Now, if you're dating, you're thinking about dating, you might say, well, there's all kinds of other questions I have about dating, like what if I recognize I'm in the wrong relationship? What if I recognize I shouldn't be dating this person? Like, how do I get out of this relationship? Or what role should intimacy have in our relationship? Or let's say that, that you're a Christ follower and the person you're dating is not a Christ follower, doesn't uh, claim to be one or says they are one, but you don't really see evidence of that in their lives. Like, what should you do in that spot? We have a couple of recommendations for you, and it's some book recommendations. First book I recommend to you is called Real Relationships. It's by Les and Leslie Parrott. And it, this book is where I got that statement from. They gave that statement on a sense of identity, that we need that before uh, we move into intimate relationships. And they cover some amazing things in this book that would be a great resource to so many people. So they cover, like chapter six, they talk about how do you fall in love without losing your mind? Anybody ever seen anybody that lost their mind when they started dating? Like, yeah, like we need to like figure out how to do that without losing our mind. Chapter eight is, how do we break up without falling apart? 
There are sometimes we get to the spot of recognizing I shouldn't be in this relationship, but I'm not sure I've got the courage to break it off. So I'm just going to do a whole bunch of stuff and hope they break it off. Well, that's not really good. That's not a good strategy that God has for us. And, and that won't help us develop a sense of identity on our own. So we've got to learn, like, how do we get out of a relationship we know we, we need to get out of? That book can help you with that resource. The second book that I recommend to you is by Andy Stanley. It's called The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating. Andy does a great job in this book of spending a lot of time talking about how to become the type of person that you hope to attract. And there's actually a video series that goes with this. So if you're interested in that, you can uh, Google uh, the title of this, and I'm sure you can find that video series. You can watch that while you're reading the book as well. And if you didn't get a chance to write that stuff down, it's actually captured on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. So I put the, those two books there as well as some other resources that you can check into and some other homework assignments. So at our Connection Center before you leave, if you're interested in those two books, you can just pick that up there. Um, I also encourage everybody to get into one of our community groups. And that's where we can learn to build the right kind of relationships. That's where we can get in relationship with other people that can help guide us on the journey of making all of our relationships better. And we firmly believe here at Epic that circles are better than rows. So when you get in a circle with other people, a small group where you can look into other people's eyes and lives and speak truth and hear truth and grow together, that is way better than what just happens on a Sunday morning when we're sitting in rows looking in one direction. So before you leave, I encourage you, if you're not in one of our community groups, stop by the community groups table and find out how you can get plugged in to that. Next week, we're going to talk about how to have better marriages. So if you know somebody who has got a, a rough spot in their marriage right now, I encourage you to invite them. If you know somebody who's got a great marriage going on, invite them as well, because we're going to talk next week about what I think God offers to us as the secret sauce for how to have a great marriage. So I hope you'll come next week as we talk about what I think that secret ingredient is. If you would, stand with me. I'm gonna close us out in prayer, and then our worship team is gonna close us in song. So God, we are so grateful for the truth that you provided us in Scripture for how to have better relationships. Lord, we've got relationships everywhere in our lives. We have relationships at home, at work, at school, in our community. And Lord, there's, there's like virtually no place that we can go without being in a relationship with somebody else. And a lot of our relationships, they just aren't great. And even some of our great relationships can be better at times. So Lord, we're thankful for all the truth that, that you've provided us this morning and all the truth that we can learn in this series about how to have better relationships. And Lord, as we sing this morning, we're going to be reminded of the relationship we can have with you and the love that you have for us. And that love spills out into our other relationships. So Lord, guide us throughout this week as we're chewing on some of these things that we've talked about today. In Jesus' name, amen.